Uh, let me say, let's open up, let's give the Holy Spirit permission to open up our understanding regarding the definition of the supernatural. Because uh, here's one of the things I fear, and I think I've observed, especially in charismatic circles, which we would be considered a charismatic circle, meaning for those of you that don't know what the word charismatic is, it comes from the word charis, which is anointing or the supernatural dimension of the kingdom of God, like uh, healing and deliverance and casting out devils and the gifts of the spirit, prophecy and um, workings of miracles, tongues, interpretations of tongues, discerning of spirits, these supernatural things that our culture is not accustomed to. When a believer enters into the kingdom of God, they're born again, but then when they are baptized in the Holy Spirit, they uh, receive a supernatural ability to live life in the full capacity of the Spirit's capacity. In other words, the supernatural dynamic of the Holy Spirit comes upon a natural being, and that being can then experience and do the supernatural. And what I fear is this. In charismatic churches, I'm afraid we have limited the definition of the supernatural to the dramatic. And it makes so many believers spiritually insecure because they think if they are not shaking and quaking, they did not have a supernatural experience. I have shaked and quaked and baked. I mean, I have rolled with the best of them. I have laughed for three solid days and couldn't stop. I was useless. I have wept for 24 hours under the power of the Holy Spirit. I've experienced encounters, and I want them more often. But if we were honest, and I want to say biblically accurate, I believe 90%, you know, every percentage is made up, 85 of all percentages are made up on the spot. Let me just say... In general, the majority of your and my supernatural experience with God in the earth is not the shaking and quaking and baking. It wouldn't even make sense. I had to tell the Lord, stop. I can't function. How am I supposed to go to work and, and do what I'm responsible for on the floor? It's impossible to do that. And so... I think we need to um, have a larger definition of the supernatural. I know this series is about honoring the Holy Spirit, but I want to say I believe we dishonor him when we limit his activity to the dramatic, which means we are not recognizing 90% of the stuff that he's doing. He is so natural, supernaturally, so often. I remember when Hope and I first met, it was so natural. I went to a convention, I went to a conference, and she was there. And one of my friends, uh, well, he, it, this was the supernatural part. He said, I just saw your other half. And so I asked her out, but I was thinking he's just popping off, right? Because it wasn't like she didn't come descending from the heavens. I didn't hear any angelic voices, you know. I mean, I, was, uh, I, I grew up in a charismatic environment. I was 32. Uh, there were no prospects on the landscape, and I was, I, I was thinking that she was going to come in on some kind of a angelic, you know, presentation, and, and there would be music, and I would hear, you know, I just thought it was going to be dramatic, right? 
And it was so natural, and we just started talking on the phone for four months. It was long distance, and we were friends on the phone. It was just kind of like normal. And so when we fasted for three days to seek the Lord on what this was about, what I was saying to the Lord, now catch this, I said to the Lord, here's one of the problems I'm having. It was just so normal and natural. I feel like it was, it's not you. Although, man, I want to marry her. You know, you don't want to marry the wrong person, right? And we get kind of like spiritually paralyzed because it's got to be the Lord. So we're looking for these supernatural signs and we miss so much of what God's doing. And you know what the Lord said to me? That's why they missed my son. So I think what he was saying was she was like the next thing to the son of God. That's how I interpreted that. And so I just put that dang ring on her finger like fast before somebody else grabbed the next best thing to the son of God. But that's how they missed the son of God. I think that was a little bit supernatural. God coming down as a human being. They're like, well, we know him. That's Joseph, the carpenter's son. I mean, we know where he came from. We know it was all so natural they missed God. And I think we are susceptible to the same thing as charismatics. Not only what does Jesus do in the supernatural, how does he do it? Think about the way that Jesus operated in the supernatural. Think about feeding 20,000 people with a couple loaves of bread and a few fish. How do you think that went down? We know from the Bible, it says, that he said, you know, bring the fish and the bread to me. And it says, he just gave thanks. And he said, now pass this out. I bet you the majority of the people didn't even know a miracle was going on. The disciples did because the bread just wouldn't stop. You know, and they were probably trying to tell people like the 10,000th person, listen, you have to understand, I only started with a little piece of bread. They're like, yeah, okay, whatever. And they go back to talking. All they care about is eating the food, right? And you're trying to transfer their information about this is actually a miracle, and people are like, yeah, well, you know, that's your interpretation. I just see a piece of bread being handed to me. I don't know what you're talking about, right? What was Jesus doing? When he got the bread and gave thanks, was he going? <laughs> and then busted out in Elizabethan English, oh, thou. Well, he couldn't have because it wasn't written for 1,500 years. <laughs> so he couldn't have done the old King James thing and his prophecies. He was as cool as the center seat of a cucumber. You wouldn't have known the supernatural was happening if he told you because he was naturally supernatural. He just lived a naturally supernatural lifestyle. What about the, you know, the wine at the wedding? Same thing, right? I think he was just sitting down and said, I just go fill up those water pots over there with water. Nobody at the party knew what was going on. There are occasional invasions of heaven on earth that are so dramatic that it gets everybody's attention like the day of Pentecost. Like Charles Finney walking into a town and everybody in the factories hit their face and just start repenting of all their sins all over the town. These things happen. But I want to say it again. I know I've said it, but I think I need to say it again. If we are defining revival... As every time we come together, everybody falls on their face, I think we are severely limiting what God is doing in the earth. Thank God for those moments and experiences. But he's doing stuff right now that is absolutely undetectable. But you're being influenced by the Holy Spirit right now. He's doing something on the inside of you. You know. And it's supernatural. 
So we look in the New Testament where, and we looked at this uh, last time I preached. By the way, last week's message, Mark, dude, you were scary. Like in a real positive way. I played that one phrase, you know, don't blame your filthy personality on what somebody did to you, rather the choices you have made after it happened to you. I mean, like one of my friends from high school was visiting and she bought the CD just for that one phrase. Because she works with people that, are, that, that live with a victimized mentality as in, her, in her occupation. And she's trying to communicate to them who are living two and three and four poverty, a generation's poverty deep. And she's trying to break them out of their, their psychological state of blaming everybody for their situation. It was so powerful. It was a powerful message. And that was under the Holy Spirit. Because you can't say something like that unless it's under the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't in your notes. I wouldn't think so. I, didn't, I wouldn't imagine you writing that down during the week. This is what I want to say. Your filthy personality. The Holy Spirit knows we wouldn't just think of that and write it. He has to make us say it spontaneously in the moment, and it works. But so in the New Testament, we look at like... Uh, Luke chapter 4, where it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, recovery of sight to the blind. We're like, yeah, recovery of sight to the blind. Open the prison doors to those who are oppressed. All that dynamic language. But let me show you a passage that is one of my favorite passages and something I crave and I call heaven on earth more for what I'm about to show you than the other. Now, I call for the gifts of healing and workings of miracles and discerning of spirits, I am very passionate about it. In fact, ask Hope, whenever I teach other places and she's there, it's like, you just have to work that in on every sermon, don't you? Yes, because one of my pet peeves is that the majority of the church world denies the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it just makes me righteously angry because it cripples the body of Christ from destroying the works of the enemy. So I'm very passionate about the dramatic and the the gifts of the Spirit. But look with me, if you will, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, when it talks about the Holy Spirit coming upon the Messiah. Isaiah chapter 11, and let's look at the manifestations of the Spirit of the living God upon the Son of God. And uh, Isaiah chapter 11, verse, starting with verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord. Everybody say, the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. Now you're like, yeah, that's like Luke chapter 4, where he rests upon me to open the eyes of the blind, healing broken hearts, opening prison doors. But look what it says the, manif- the six manifestations of the Holy Spirit are. All of these... All, yeah, I know, I couldn't find seven. I studied it like 600 times, and it's like there's six. Which didn't make sense to me, because there's seven in the book of Revelation... All right, what are the seven? Uh Uh-huh. Well, you figure that out, then you let me know, because that's the same thing I did. I know, me too. I was like, I was going to call this the seven manifestations of the Holy Spirit, and I couldn't, because there were only six. Okay, but let's not spend too much time on that. If you get it and prove me wrong, just stand up and say, here it is. All of these, now look, now all of these, okay, let's, let's move on. You're going to have a fist fight on the front row over whether there's six or seven. Huh? Okay. 
All right, we'll call, we'll call the Spirit of the Lord as one of them. Great. Now there's seven. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Bill. So all of these are also natural giftings. That's why when they are amped up by the Holy Spirit, we don't necessarily recognize them as gifts of the Holy Spirit. Wisdom. You can get wisdom just through life experience. Understanding. Gaining understanding through study and experience. Counsel, which is advice. Might, which is strength, physical strength. You can get that through taking vitamins, going to the gym, and eating right. The last one, you have no hope without the Holy Spirit. The knowledge and then the the fear of the Lord. But these seven manifestations were resting upon the Son of God. How much more do you think they need to rest upon us if they had to rest upon Jesus? The Spirit of wisdom, the Holy Spirit's capacity, His full capacity of wisdom, which is the definition of wisdom is how to put things together. It's used in the, it's used in the, in a, in the craftsman sense, in the art, artistic sense of crafting something and putting something together. The Bible says a house is built through wisdom. It's also in the moral sense of having to put a, how to put a life together right so that it works. Jesus said, if you, wise is the person who builds their life on my teachings. Foolish is the person who does not. Your house will fall apart. So the spirit of wisdom is God's wisdom coming upon you and I at work in our marriages, in our ministries, in our relationships. Wisdom of how to put something together so that it functions well. And the spirit of wisdom, the Holy Spirit's capacity is available to every one of us who are in Christ Jesus. This is my primary prayer. I call for wisdom more than anything else. And, well, I'm going to leave that there for now. Or Now, Solomon cried out for wisdom. Here's Solomon who, gets, who finds himself promoted. You know, a lot of times you cry out for promotion at work or in your ministry or whatever it might be, and then you get the promotion and then you're scared to death because you're over your head, right? And so your prayers change from, oh God, open up uh, opportunities for me to, oh God, you've opened up opportunities for me. Now everybody's looking at me and I am so afraid that I'm going to blow it. So then your prayer changes to wisdom, And this is what Solomon was doing, crying out to God for wisdom. And God says to him in a divine encounter, I have placed my wisdom in your heart. There'll be nobody that's wiser than you ever has been or ever will be. And I will give you understanding. And so he wakes up and he has the greatest wisdom of any human being who's ever lived on the planet besides Jesus Christ. And he did not get it out of a book or life experience. Kings and queens from around the world would travel just to hear Solomon talk. That's the wisdom of God. The Bible says the wisdom that Stephen spoke with was so profound that they couldn't, re- they couldn't respond to his wisdom and so they killed him. The Spirit of God knows everything. He's also the spirit of understanding. They also said that about Jesus. They kept trying to trap Jesus 
And then they decided not to ask him any more questions because his answers were so full of wisdom it made them look like fools. So they stopped trying to trap him publicly. So they decided to kill him. I think the point is if you get too wise, people will try to kill you. Secondly <laughs> is understanding. What a prof- what, well, understanding, that, that the definition of understanding is when you have an enigma in front of you. You have a situation at work that you cannot figure out. You're in a relationship and you just don't understand the dynamics. What are they trying to say and what are you saying? And you're coming from two completely different universes and you're trying to understand the struggle and the strife and you can't figure it out, whether it's a project or it's a person, a relationship. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you just don't understand the solution. Raise your hand, okay? Right, life is full of those kind of enigmas. The spirit of understanding, the Holy Spirit knows everything. My wife and I had a situation with one of our kids where um, they were behaving and acting out in such a way that so was outside of our expectations that we just couldn't figure it out. We're like, what the, what? You know, they became a teenager, so. <laughs> like, what? We sat on the couch and we just did not know, well, Diana, you know what we're talking about. What is this thing, God, that you call a teenager? Yeah, what happened to that little boy running around in his diapers, right? And so I said to Hope, you know what? The Holy Spirit knows everything. You know who I'm talking about now. The Holy Spirit knows him. Let's ask the Holy Spirit. We need understanding here to parent this precious human being that you've given to us that's turned into some kind of a creature called a teenager. So we got quiet. And closed her eyes, and I said, Holy Spirit, give us understanding. Immediately, I had a memory of something that happened when he was three years old. And I, I said to Hope, do you remember that thing that happened to Elliot when he was about three years old? She goes, yeah. The Holy Spirit is that. That is what this is about. And so rather than the, you know, the conflict where we don't understand, it's just a behavior that's unacceptable. We got underneath it, and I said, Elliot, let me ask you something. The Holy Spirit showed me something, and I asked him about the situation that happened to you when you were about three years old. Do you remember that? And he goes, yeah. And I said, he said, that's what this is about. He said, that's exactly what's happening. Woo! Oh, my gosh. It was amazing. Understanding brought mercy, and it brought communication, and it brought solution, and it took our relationship to a whole nother level. Rather than it doing this, we all went like this, through the gift of understanding. The spirit of understanding. There's also the spirit of counsel. This is wonderful. Uh, Here's an example. The spirit of counsel, that word just means advice. Uh, Sissy was telling me uh, just a couple weeks ago, our children's pastor, that she was driving to a meeting where a couple of people on her team wanted to communicate something with her. And as she's driving there, she stopped in the parking lot as she's ready as a leader to go into a, a, a meeting. 
And she said, Holy Spirit, is there anything you want to say to me before I go into this meeting? Because I don't know what it's about. And I want to be available and accessible. And, and the Holy Spirit, she got quiet, sat in her car. The Spirit, right? The Spirit, she's, she's asking the Holy Spirit who knows everything. Is there anything you want to say to me? And the Holy Spirit said, don't be offended. She's like, oh, that wasn't even on my radar. She goes into the meeting and the people she was meeting with were just kind of beating around the bush and not really making sense and getting to the point. She said, stop. She said, let me tell you what the Holy Spirit said to me outside before I came into the meeting. And they said, oh, well, if that's the case, then they told her what, then they told her what they really wanted to say. And she said, if the Holy Spirit had not given her counsel or advice before she went in, she would have been offended and the whole thing would have been a nightmare because she would have been operating out of offense. But because he said, don't be offended, she was able to have ears on to hear something new and it elevated the whole team because it was wisdom. Isn't this awesome? Well, the Holy Spirit is available to you just like he was to Jesus Christ with the spirit of wisdom. You do not have to be in situations that you cannot figure it out because the Holy Spirit knows everything. The spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might. Boy, this one is the spirit of might. Many times it's just, well, many times it's just that supernatural soul might that you're able to endure situations that are so difficult to, uh, you, couldn't, you could not stand up under pressure. Like Jezebel. I mean, the spirit of might. Elijah operated in, this is a great example. Elijah, who was an Old Testament proper, uh, prophet, operated in the dramatic, calling fire down from heaven and wiping out 850 prophets of the devil, Baal. But when Jezebel confronted him and spoke a word, I'm going to get you, a spirit of fear entered his soul, made him so weak, he ran out to the desert, told his assistant to go away, and said, God, kill me. I want to die. I don't want to do this anymore. Isn't that amazing how a man of God who calls fire down from heaven could be running for his life out of fear the next day? His, the spirit of fear went into his soul and shriveled his, him spiritually. But God raised up somebody else named Jehu. And the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehu. And when Jezebel confronted him, he ignored her and commanded the eunuchs to throw her out of the window, the men that she had emasculated, and they threw her out of the window, and she died, and Jehu went in and ate lunch. Because the spirit of might was upon him. I had a situation in our own church that was very similar, and I got so confused over this conflict in the church, I didn't know what it was. So I went on break, and I sought the Lord, and the Lord gave me understanding. He said, this is what you're dealing with. It was a, it was a spirit of Jezebel. It was, it brought, it's like, oh, the moment he said that to me, I'm sitting in my courtyard. I had the Bible out. No, I was just sitting in my courtyard being depressed and confused and spiritually drained. Felt a little bit like Elijah. Just, it was just, the confusion just drains you, right? And I'm sitting there and the Lord spoke an Old Testament passage to me. And I didn't know what it was. I looked it up and it was the Jehu passage. And he said, you're dealing with Jezebel. I went, oh understanding. All of a sudden, it all became clear to me. 
all the people involved, the personalities, the dynamics, what was said, all of that became immediately clear. And then I said, what do I do about it? Now comes counsel. And he said, hit it head on, which takes the spirit of might and courage because you want to run from Jezebel, right? It's an intimidating spirit. It's a spirit of intimidation and control. So you have to hit it head on, which I did under the power or the might of the spirit and the situation got resolved. Yeah, well, he didn't tell me to kill them, so I did not. But I tell you, there was a, there was a tremendous spiritual restoration of my own soul, like almost instantaneously. It took a while to recover, but, but you, have to, you have to understand that we need the spirit of understanding to understand many uh, enigmas, and then the spirit of counsel on what to do in this, and then the spirit of strength and might to be able to do what the spirit of advice and counsel just said to do. Jesus operated in all of these. And if he did not operate in the spirit of wisdom and understanding and might, they're all, you, you could just blur all of these and think they're all the same thing. They are not. The spirit of wisdom is unique to the spirit of understanding. And the spirit of st- understanding is unique to the spirit of counsel and the spirit of might and the spirit of knowledge. Knowledge is just the skill of knowing how to do something. The spirit of understanding is the understanding behind it. And the spirit of wisdom is how to put it all together. The spirit of counsel is what to do with what you have. The spirit of might is the courage to do it. You think about situations like, you know, here's Jesus sitting in in a religious leader's home, Simon the Pharisee. And from anybody's perspective, this guy, you'd want this guy to be a church member. Simon the Pharisee, he loves the word of God. He loves going to church. He even tithes. I mean, this guy is a teacher. He, he is given to righteousness and holy living. And here's the rabbi in his house. You would think that this guy is a real Christian. And then this woman who's of ill repute come busts into Simon's house, falls down at Jesus' feet, and starts you know, weeping over his feet. And Simon over here is thinking inside of himself, if this was a true prophet, Jesus, this Jesus, he would know what kind of a woman is touching him right now. Now, you and I, if we did not have the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of understanding, and we just look at this scenario, we would not be able to discern who is religious and who is not, who is truly spiritual and who is not, who's a true worshiper of God and who is not. We wouldn't be able to probably be able to discern it. Because culturally, Simon is the righteous man of God, and this woman is probably a prostitute. But Jesus, it says, knowing Simon's thoughts, spirit of knowledge, understood behind the scenes. He understood what was really going on. What's really going on here? That's the spirit of understanding. He understood what was going on. This guy's a poser, and this woman's a worshiper. That's what's going on here. And then he had the uh, Spirit's counsel on how to deal with that situation. And then the Spirit of knowledge, you know, this could be a word of knowledge or just n- having uh, clear information. Um, I like uh, Les's example that he sent to an uh, email to us uh, just recently. He said that, um, you know, he's a lawyer, so he goes to a lawyer convention. And uh, he's walking with another very highly respected lawyer just a couple weeks ago. And... Uh, He's walking along with them, and he uh, asked the Lord. He's like, okay, 
you know, this lawyer probably is not going to respond to less, you know, you know, shaking and jerking as they're walking down, you know, the sidewalk or being in a, a, a meeting with a bunch of lawyers and start popping off in other tongues or something, you know, it's probably unless the Holy Spirit is really doing that and he's going to break out and do something supernatural that is going to be, you know, a divine encounter that's sovereign. It's probably wiser to do it the way Les did, which was naturally supernatural. I'm walking along the street with another lawyer who's analytical and highly respected for his cognitive capabilities. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to give me some information about him so that he can know you better. And as they're walking along, God just simply drops into Les's mind that this guy had gone to Africa and he had seen a little black boy with one leg and the boy's joy was so astounding to this lawyer that it drew him closer to God and he wanted to do more ministry with his life. So Les says, I feel like the Holy Spirit has just said to me for you that you went to Africa and saw a little black boy with one leg and the joy on him was so strong that it so highly impacted you that you want to do more ministry for the rest of your life. And he said, wow, that's exactly what happened. I mean, how, how dynamic is that? It was so naturally supernatural that it was palatable. Let me show you another passage of scripture and then the spirit of the fear of the Lord here. I, I can't even go into that one because we'd be here all day. But that is, let me just say this, the spirit of the fear of the Lord is, is complete submission to the lordship of Jesus Christ and delegated authority, by the way, in every, every area of your life. And so, and you can study that out. It's pretty profound. But when you completely submit your will and your heart to God and say, I'm going to behave and I'm going to live in a way that you respect and that will honor you, uh, the Bible says at that point, you can resist the devil and he'll flee from you. The Bible says at that point, God's favor will be showered upon you. When you're fighting with God, you're not going to experience the favor of God. When you just, okay, you win, I'm going to live my life fully for you. That's operating the fear of the Lord, and the decisions are based on, what does God think about this decision? How does he, how does he think about the way I'm behaving right now? Right? Whether it's unforgiveness or bitterness or not giving or not witnessing or, or whatever I am or not doing, Lord, what do you want me to do right now? That's the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And the Bible says God's favor comes upon a person like that as you're operating, and he will smite your enemies before your face and plague those who hate you. Let's go to the book of uh, Exodus chapter 31. That was my very short sermonette on the spirit of the fear of the Lord, which deserves uh, about a six-week series all on its own. Exodus uh, chapter 31. I want to draw this to a close because we're going to receive communion this morning. In Exodus chapter 31, uh, they are building the kingdom of God. And God says this in verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, I have called by name uh, Bezalel, Bezalel the son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of uh, Judah. And I have filled him with, now look at this. It's like something we just read about Jesus. I have filled him with the spirit of God. We'll call that one. (laughs) In wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge. Yeah, in all manner of workmanship, to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze. Doesn't that sound so natural? 
and cutting jewels, for setting and carving wood, to work in all manner of workmanship. Indeed, I have appointed him with Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach, and the tribe of Dan, and I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded them. Isn't that amazing? You would not think about the guy who is so good with his guitar. The guy is so good with his accounting, uh, uh, being an accountant. The person that is so good with their craftsmanship, a carpenter. The person that is so good and so skilled at what they do, we would just think that it's all natural. Maybe the spirit of the Lord is upon that person. Here's what I have found. When you and I submit, offer to God, sincerely, really offer to him all of our natural resources, including our money, our time, and our talents, our natural abilities, when we truly submit them to him and say, this is about the Father's business. I am about the Father's business. Everything about my life and everything I have, I'm submitting to him. I have found he supernaturalizes everything you are and everything you have. And this is a huge point. Not only today are we looking at the capabilities of the Holy Spirit in your and my life, but the confidence, and not only the confidence that you and I can have when you are working on or buying that car, looking in the auction field, when you're looking at a car to buy, the Holy Spirit knows the lemons. He really does. He knows exactly what cars you should buy and how much you should buy them for. And it's not to get all constipated like, oh, I'm going to miss the Holy Spirit. No, the Holy Spirit is just going to give you a witness on what to do. I mean, um, yeah. <laughs> I was, <laughs> You know I should move on, don't you? You want to hear it? Now you want to hear it? I'm thinking about, okay, well, this is, the, this is on the negative, but I'm thinking about the, the dumb things we do. On the other side of this, this message I'm giving, kind of like when Holyfield was, was boxing, what's his name? Tyson. And Holyfield's interviewed, and he said, the Holy Spirit told me when to punch him and when not to punch him. I mean, he says this on the microphone, right? So the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding. He said, I told you I shouldn't say it. But you look at something like that, and you're thinking, oh, no, the Holy Spirit wouldn't be telling you to punch somebody in the face. But anyway, <laughs> we're learning the Holy Spirit's breadth and capacity that he has to offer us for when you're working in the car lot and on, on the, on, at the auction and when you are doing the accounting and as an engineer and as a teacher, and as a custodian or as a husband, as a wife, as a parent, he knows everything and he has, and it's fully available to us. The Holy Spirit is to you and to your children and to as far as the Lord will call. That's what the Bible says. The Holy Spirit is our inheritance. Not only that, but you need, and I need to have the confidence when I'm praying for wisdom, it's so important that you just don't beg for it and hope you get it. That's stupid when the spirit of wisdom is resting upon you. We need to understand that as we're asking for it, at, in that same moment we're asking for it, we are receiving it. Thank you. Thank you, spirit of wisdom, for being upon me. And that I have the mind of Christ. And I do have the spirit of understanding. You've got to believe it because it's true. But until you click from begging to believing, you're not going to connect with it. But finally, here's what really kicks in, and that is, do you know what these guys were doing that were the craftsmen here? They were building the kingdom of God. They were building the house of God. In fact, look over here in Isaiah chapter 36, which is 
In the same book, I'm, I'm sorry, Exodus, we were in Exodus 31, over to Exodus 36, verse 1. After God tells Moses that I have put the spirit of wisdom into all these artisans, then Moses communicates to the people, hey, by the way, the reason you're so good at that is because the spirit of the Lord has put the spirit of wisdom and knowledge and understanding in you. And he's saying the same thing to you and I this morning. The reason you're so good at what you do, my people, is because my spirit's on you. I've given you that ability to sing and to play and to write and to work and to administrate. I've given you the spirit of might that enables you to get up out of bed in the morning and go be the salt and light of the world. I have put the spirit of the fear of the Lord upon you so that you will want to do the will of God. This is me, the spirit of God says. And he's saying that to you and I today so we can know who we are and have the confidence no matter what situation you're in, whether it's parenting or working or sports or whatever it is, you can have the confidence without arrogance. You just say factually, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. The spirit of wisdom and knowledge and understanding, might, counsel, and the fear of the Lord is upon me. And then you can tap into it and expect it. So here Moses is talking to the people of God saying in verse 1 of Exodus 36, And Bezaliel and Aholiab and every gifted artisan in whom the Lord has put wisdom and understanding to know how to do all manner of workmen for the service of the sanctuary. The thing that was common to Solomon who was crying out for wisdom and God said, all right, I'm going to give you my wisdom and just drops it in his heart and he becomes the wisest man in the world in the morning. The reason God gave that to him is because Solomon said, I want to know how to shepherd your people well. God says, oh, I can bless that. These artisans are building the church. They are in a house and they were about building that house and God says, I'm going to drop the spirit of wisdom in you so that my house is done well and it's the most beautiful place on earth. Now the house has expanded all over the earth. It's, it's small churches, it's house churches, it's churches like this, it's, it's the church at large, it's parachurch organizations, it's crusades, whatever it is, the kingdom of God is expanding throughout the world. And so when you and I come with our talents and our resources and say, I want to be about the father's business, God says, oh, I can bless that. And he will put his spirit upon you and I. And he will multiply it. Moses is a shepherd with a shepherd's staff. It's just a stick to beat wolves with and to help sheep stay on the path. But when he completely submitted to God after the bush talked to him, which is, you know, helped him along a little bit when a bush tells you what to do with your life, you should probably do what the bush says, right? His staff, which was a natural skill set of his, once he completely submitted his natural abilities to God, that staff then could split the Red Sea. And Jesus said, zeal for my father's house is consuming me. That's why the spirit of the Lord was upon him, was to do the work of God. So I want you and I to expand our understanding of the supernatural ways that God is working with you and me in our lives. You have a situation in your marriage? Go to God and say, spirit of understanding, show me what's really going on. And he might say, you're being a jerk. Spirit of wisdom, what's going on with my children? Show me. He knows everything. Spirit of might, counsel, strength.
But all this is frustrated when you and I are not submitted to God. Because the spirit of wisdom and counsel and might and understanding and, and doesn't even function without the spirit of the fear of the Lord, the spirit of respect for God, the spirit of submission and obedience to the king. Why would he be blessing us out here doing our own thing? It's when we, as the people of God, come into the lordship of Jesus Christ and say, we are about you. that our staves turn into weapons of war and vessels of blessing and deliverance. So this morning, I want us to give that opportunity. As the band uh, comes up, I'm going to ask the ushers to come down with the communion elements. And I'm not going to do the prayer teams, uh, Gary. I'm not going to do the prayer teams over here. We're just going to do this communion piece. I wish I had about another 15 to 30 minutes to talk about the fear of the Lord. Because I really do believe this is where the majority of our frustration comes from as followers of Jesus Christ, where... We really are not submitted.